0: Wagwan, what are you lot saying? Welcome back. Mindfully Podcast, a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative, negative voice. Mindfully Podcast, I said that. No more so I say. I didn't say that. I'm the host. Hi. If this is your first time, what's good? Think about hitting that follow, subscribe button. If this isn't your first time, rate and review. It does a lot for this podcast to get pushed up so more people can see what we're doing today. Let's get into this episode. This week's guest, a former teammate of mine, for the bros of Bamberg, I forgot the mascot, but he's a former teammate of mine. I'm very excited, very thankful to have him on the podcast. Seven-year pro basketball turned coach, assistant coach of the Santa Cruz Warriors, a father, a brother, a friend, a leader, and someone was such an inspiring story. Honestly, I was so touched and honestly moved and blessed by our conversation because it did so much for me in my life. Current day, current moment, current now. Current now is not a word, but let's get into this episode before I keep babbling. For you, Tyler Larson, to be on the podcast is something that's, it's been a journey. And to have somebody that I admire, respect, a leader, a coach now, a father, a brother in Christ. Mr. Tyler Larson, welcome to the Mind Belief Podcast.
1: Thank you, man. It's an honor and a, and,
0: a, and a pleasure. It's cool. Whenever you see people in different spaces, we had our time in Bamberg. Literally, you and Jerry Blakes, Jerry Blakes is on the show. One of our, one of my kind of mentors on the team, that American presence, seeing somebody just come from the G League, not knowing how the European game was, to have you and Jerry there early on was definitely beneficial for me. But just... People that experience a tough time in a similar tough place. If I was speaking to your story, though, from Bamberg before then, that little kid from Hayward, California, the 510. I like to start my podcasts in these conversations with the formative years because they do take on a role in who you become. So if you were to take me back to those times, the 510, who was that kid?
1: Uh, that kid, man, was somebody who definitely could have never imagined, uh, basketball being such a huge part of my life. You know, when I was young, uh, like before I say eighth grade, I was bad at basketball, bro. Like I was terrible. My mom used to come to me like, Tyler, when you get in the game, shoot the ball. I used to be crying like, man, I ain't better than other kids. But then around eighth, ninth grade, I started noticing I was a little bit taller than my friends. Uh, I was a good rebounder. I was like, okay, I guess basketball thing might work out a little bit. Uh, and so uh, ninth and 10th grade, ninth grade, I played JV, 10th grade, I played varsity. Uh, you know, I lived all over the Bay Area. So I I grew up in Oakland and Hayward, uh, graduated elementary school in Oakland, then moved to Richmond, uh, went to middle school out there, then went to middle school in Vallejo, then moved to Vallejo. Uh, and went to middle school, graduated middle school out there. Then my first two years of high school, I was in Vallejo. And then I moved to Las Vegas my, uh, junior year in high school. And, you know, that was, that was a blessing in disguise. I did not want to do it at first. I did not want to go to Vegas. I was crying, <laughs> uh, telling my godfather, you know, I did not want to move there and. Next thing you know, I was in Vegas and it was a definitely a blessing because I met some brothers, some friends, some mentors that I could have never imagined my life without, you feel me?
0: Before, you know, taking me back before you picked up a ball, I know you said you weren't good in eighth grade and then you became good when you started becoming taller than everybody else. But before then, if you were to take me back, let's say pre-age 10 of that Tyler, if I woke up and Those cities, if I woke up in Hayward, the 510, and I woke up, got in the restroom, took a shower, came out, looked in the mirror, which kid, what image, what Tyler would I see?
1: Uh, I would say you would uh, see, and it's funny to say this now as a grown man, like, you know, growing up, especially as black men, you're not really... It's not okay to be sensitive or it's not okay to be emotional. It's not okay to be in your feelings or like care about stuff. And so that kid was definitely sensitive and emotional, caring. You feel me? My mom used to always say she wanted me to be a doctor uh, because she felt like I had such a big heart and I was always caring for people when I was a kid. So that's really, uh, that was my, my base. You feel me? A lot of love. Like I always was telling my parents and my siblings, I love you a lot. You feel me? Like, I love you all the time. And so I would say growing into that, that's really where, like, I learned how to love, learn how to care about things, learn that. You feel me? It was okay in some instances to be emotional and be sensitive. And then as you grow up, you know, you you have experiences and you learn the hard way.
0: How did you know that though? Because again, you know, in a, an environment, Oakland, I'm, I'm guessing urban community, in those different communities, you're moving and you're trying to find your base and, and who to side with, who, like when you're in school, who to, you know, have a group and have a function with. How did you know that you could still be that kid at that time? Because you're kind of like, okay, the emotions, in my experience, twin, I'm Nigerian immigrant. So in the house, I'll have that real love, that real connection, finding myself in that environment. Then I go to school and it's a totally different thing. I act out. I try to be, you know, into those type of things for your situation and for your story. When did you start noticing that that wasn't okay to do?
1: Uh, Really? Like, so I got a big brother who's seven years older than me. So he was trying that all that was out. Like, even if my mom was <laughs> babying me a little, and he'd be like, hey, He'd be like, yo, nah, like you got to grow up or you got to be a man or like he'd start trying to bully me a little bit to like make me stronger or, or more tougher. And I hated it at the time. But, you know, I, now that I'm older, I see like where he was coming from and what he was trying to do, what he was trying to accomplish. You know, he was trying to make me into a man. You know, my mom was a single mom. Uh, so he was like the manly figure in my life in a way. Uh, My dad still was still around, but like he was the one I was with day every day. You feel me? So he was like, "Okay, it's on me to teach him how to be a man and teach him how to like get through the real real world and getting through the real world as a man, black man, like all that is not okay."
0: Right. No, it it is tough. And speaking of your situation, whenever you have a brother kind of being that father figure in your life and your experience, it does help you become the person that you are today. But in that time, it's kind of like, you know, you use the word sensitive and you're growing in all that you are, but you're still curious, like, okay, what does this mean? How I'm feeling this way, but he's telling me not to feel this way. I don't know. I just, in that time, because again, for me, it, it was a tough situation growing up, um, a twin, a Nigerian immigrant, and I was acting out in school doing those different things. What do you think if you were behind the eyes of that kid? I'm just thinking about this because you had what you needed in a, in the aspects of okay, a father figure, that type of person being there, big brother. But other than that, what do you think that kid needed to kind of express all that he was during that time?
1: Uh, I mean, looking back, honestly. Bro, and this is why my my dad and my mom, they've always said, like, I was God's child. Like, God had me from when I was young because <laughs> I did have some guidance. Like Obviously, I had parents, but like when I got to around like age 13, 14, 15, like I really started doing my own thing. Like I said, my mom was a single mom, so she's doing different things, trying to uh, make things work, uh, pay the bills. You feel me? So when you're a little son and your mom's out working, like you're going to find a way. I'm yeah. doing the same thing, trying to yeah. go to school, uh, hanging with the, w- with the kids who who doing bad stuff or who doing playing basketball. Like you're just trying to find your way in that instance. So I would say God had me right, the whole time. When I think about everything that I've been through as a, as a kid, uh, I might think that, you know, I might've needed this or I might've needed that. But at the end of the day, all of it plays into... Who I am right now and how I view my kids, my kids, my relationship with my wife, you know, all of my experiences have been made into now. What is my life?
0: Right now? What is your life? I just think of your story and you said on your sheet, you said describing your childhood, it was wilderness. (laughs) And when I think of wilderness is weird, I think of like desert and deserted and abandoned. And I guess when I'm asking that question of what did you need, I'm thinking of that kid, okay, to abandon to desert some parts right. of who he was. What,
1: what kid is in the wilderness, basically?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
1: when I when when I read that question uh, and I answered it with the with one word wilderness, uh, it was kind of you know you can't see what's in front of you. You know, you're going through the wilderness and you can't see what's in front of you, but you just trust in that God has a plan. You just keep moving forward and God has a plan. And even at a young age, you know, I felt like I was in that, like, uh, you know, I didn't know what my future was going to hold. Yeah, I would like to go to college, but my family didn't have no money to go to college. Uh, So my my junior year or no uh, freshman year in high school. I moved in with my godfather, who was my JV coach. So before that, uh, my like childhood situation was very like, uh, like I said, like wilderness. When I was about like 13, 14-ish, freshman freshman in high school, uh, my mom went to start the Las Vegas Stars, which is a basketball team in Las Vegas. Uh, She became the first African-American woman to ever be owner CEO and GM of a a men's basketball team, first African-American woman ever, which, and when that is an amazing, that is an amazing thing. And me and my brother supported her. Uh, but when all that was happening, you know, like I said, I have a single mom, so she's like making moves, you know, she's out, out of the state and different stuff like that. So, uh, there was a time there were like, I was trying to find a place to lay my head. And so, Know, different different friends let me stay the night you know i used to uh i used to carry a big black bag with all my clothes and shoes in it uh like it it used to be real life real life wilderness you feel me uh so uh when i was I don't, I don't remember if it was my freshman or sophomore year, but this is one of the last times where I like slept over a friend's house or didn't have really a roof over my head because my godfather, who was my JV coach, came into my life. And uh, so I had a homeboy who I didn't have, I didn't have no place to stay. And so he was like, yo, I'm gonna ask my dad if you could stay at my house. I was like, all right, bet. So he said, uh, he asked his dad, his dad said No. He's like, yo, I'm not letting you sleep outside. Like you got to have a place to stay. We went to school together. You feel me? And we hung out all the time around the neighborhood in uh, in Vallejo. So he was like, yo, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. He had a bunk bed. Norris, I'm not kidding about this conversation. Okay. Yeah. This is true fact. So he says, this is what we're going to do, bro. You're not sleeping outside. Uh, You can come in my room. And you could sleep under my bed towards the wall. So if my dad walks in, he won't see you. Huh. So that's what I did, bro. I slept, I slept under his bed. Uh, I watched his dad walk in. His dad didn't know I was in there. Like, I didn't have no place to stay. And then uh, after that, oh. that situation.
0: Bro, 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 bro. Not to cut you off, bro. When I just heard that. I always think of okay. Let's take it back. What if we're in that moment now? How the hell did you go the next day? It, it's like okay, my mom's not here. I have to sleep in this kid's house. Yes, he's my friend. That I'm not even supposed to be there. I don't even feel wanted here. But then it's like I feel grateful. But then it's feel I feel embarrassed that I'm in this situation. That and then bro, it's like you gotta.
1: Like you said, you got to go to school the next day. You know, you don't know who your friends telling other kids, know your story. But the one thing that always helped me know is I could play basketball. That's always my outlet. Like I always had friends because I could play basketball. I always had friends around my neighborhood because we all we all played basketball together. And so, uh, yeah, after after that situation, his dad ran me up out of his house and I didn't have nowhere to stay. And my JV coach got wind of that. and he was like, yo, like, you'll never have to sleep outside ever. You'll never like, you got a place to stay 100% always at my house. Did you
0: you ever find out or, you know, figure out within yourself why he ran you off? I mean, for me, I I have a kid that doesn't know where to, doesn't have a place to stay.
1: No, still to this day, anytime I like, I've shared that conversation with only a number of people. You feel me? So, or uh, that situation, I've only shared with a number of people, and every time I share it or think about it, I always think like, if I was in that situation, what would I
0: do? Yeah, yeah. like,
1: bro, what? Uh, but you know, it, it was also different back in the day. I feel like people people are more uh, a little, maybe a little bit more considerate of those kind of things nowadays. He was like an old school dad,
0: yeah. So yeah. he was, he
1: wasn't playing. Uh, I said he can't stay here. He can't stay here, but thank God for my homeboy who, uh, you know, I haven't talked to in years, uh, since I've lived in California, but he definitely helped me out at that time and I'll never forget him.
0: Crazy. And I think during that time, during those ages, I always say in adolescence, uh, from age eight to 18, we're on a search and whatever we find in that search sets the foundation of our life where it's, Extremely impressionable. You're trying to impress the people in school. You're trying to become this man. You have the values from your family. Grind, go. You see your mom going after her goals, striving. So you have that, your big brothers telling you, okay, this is how you become the man of the family. But then you have your own beliefs on how to become the man of the family and how to get it done and how to deal with everything that you're going through, but also like prepare and become this person with, you know, the evidence that you see. Okay. You're on this search for your identity and searching for the things that you know, you resonate inside with. I find this basketball. Okay, that means I'm something. I'm, I'm worth it. I always have basketball. I can push and pry and fend off with my life and harbor this thing with using this game. I guess in that time though, and I always ask myself this and I can't even, I never even got a answer, but I'm going to pose it and throw it back to you. What if you didn't have the game? What did the game give you? I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. What did the game give you? But then it's like, what? If you didn't have the game in that time, what do you think that kid would have done to turn it?
1: I mean, I believe that's why people get in a place of desperation, you know, and that's why I've always I thank God for this. But I've always leaned on my faith, even when I was a young young boy, you feel me? Like I always was like never gonna. uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Like what my morals are. I'm not going to go against those. You feel me? Right. I'm not going to know the times might be desperate and things might be going bad. uh, I'm not going to, you know, go do something drastic to where now I'm paying for it for the rest of my life or do something illegal when I know that's not right. So, I mean, luckily I was able to stay out of that, out of that. And mostly because basketball, basketball gives you not only something to do with teammates, but also like an outlet. Like a place right. to go. So so have something to do. So you're not doing the alternative, you know. Uh so without basketball, man, who who knows? You know, I, I I've had unfortunately a bunch of homeboys who played basketball and didn't continue and got into something different and lost their life. So like mm. I it's a blessing. Basketball to have basketball on my life is a blessing for sure.
0: It's a blessing and you yeah. know, at age it's sixteen Yeah, no, it it is. It is. And again, like I was the kid, (laughs) a twin, and then I got went to the school. I was in gang culture, that type of culture. And then I finally grew. I finally lost some weight, picked up the ball, and then I ran with it. But going back to your story, in those times, even in me, I picked up a basketball later. For you at age 16, um, you move nine hours away. You go down I-5 to Las Vegas. I guess when I think about the cost one makes and one pays when they're moving, I think so much. And through your story, it's already like you're paying the price of becoming, you know, who you are anyways. You want to grind for this basketball. You want to live life and see the next day you have to do the things that you did. In that move at that time, you already alluded to it being tough for you. What's the price that you paid for that?
1: Uh, I would say that move, uh, man, it had so many pros and cons like <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> like when when i when my mom first was like yo i'm i have a team in vegas you know i bas- basketball is big in vegas i would love for you to move with me you feel me i want to bring you out here i know you have your situation in california that you built and you've been doing really well because like i said after my godfather took me in like things got really way more stable than uh i had i can't remember you know so when he mm-hmm. took me in he really like yo you got to eat, sleep and drink this. Like, if you really want to do this basketball stuff, you got to eat, sleep and drink it. You got to get up in the morning, run, shoot, go to school, after school, get your homework done, get in the gym late at night, get your push ups, sit ups. And like, he really broke it down. Work ethic. If you want to make it doing this with this basketball, this is what you got to do. And so I really just took that with me to Vegas. Like at, he, he told me, like, yo, got to go to Vegas, be with your mom. I didn't want to, but I respected it, left all my friends behind, moved to Las Vegas uh, and went to Desert Pines High School, a whole new school, whole new AAU team, you know. But it was kind of like I was transitioned into a basketball setting because before I went there, uh, my mom had brought some people out to look at me that, that were going to be coaching me and stuff like that. So it was kind of like I was brought into a basketball setting, which was good. I, I enjoyed that. But, right. you know, Vegas brought its challenges as well, you know. Uh, some, some different things like with our living arrangement, uh, you know, my mom being in different situations, uh, caused me to end up like having to look out for myself in a way. Cause when I was 16, when I moved there, you know, she was going through some stuff and she wasn't really, I was going to school, but you know, sometimes I wasn't going to school cause she could not get me there and I would have to take the city bus uh From one side of Las Vegas to the other, because I, I went to a magnet school, and a magnet school you can live wherever. So, I was taking a bus from the city bus from one side of the city to a whole another to go to Desert Pines, and you know sometimes wake up for the bus, sometimes we won't. Sometimes the my mom would wake me up from school, so that type hmm. of situation had caused me to fall like in my grades. And so uh, I had a talk with uh, my head coach at the time, Chancellor Davis, played at UNLV, shout out CeeLo. My junior year, he came to me, he said, yo, like, you know, your your grades are dropping. Uh, You know, you've been missing a couple of practices. Like sometimes I know like situations aren't perfect. And he said this and it stuck with me. And I've told my daughter this. Like this really stuck with me when he told me, he said, sometimes, you know, Some things will be happening with people and it'll affect you. But sometimes you got to take control of your own life. Like sometimes you got to take control of your own decisions and make it work for yourself. If you don't see any other way that there is to make it work, like you can't let yourself down. Even if somebody else is letting you down, you can't let yourself down.
0: Tyler, not to cut you off, bro, you've been doing that all your life, though, bro. You've been doing that yourself all your life, though, literally. Like, that's the reason why you didn't want to go to Las Vegas. You finally had some stability. You've been proven through this game, like, okay, I can do that, but now you're hearing it again. I'm just like, bro, if I was behind him, and I'm far away from school, and I'm, why am I even going to this school? Like, what is the charge, the drive that's even getting me, waking me up each day to be like, bro, I'm going today. I'm going today i'm going today
1: and you and you and you had a new school you a whole a whole bunch of new friends everything exactly so so by by this time when my coach had told me that i had made some friends though uh like i got really close with pierre jackson he was my teammate uh went to baylor uh i had some other guys who played college who went there but he's like the main one that everybody knows he's the only one that's gotten drafted juju jacobs also got drafted i'm pretty sure he got drafted out of USC. I know he played in the league a little bit, but I know he went to USC out of Desert Ponds. Uh, But yeah, so by that time, like I had made my friends and everything. And so I had met a guy named London and uh, he was just one of my my school friends. And after my coach had told me that, you know, I had been in kind of a similar situation before when I was in Cali, where it was like, you know, you like kind of got to figure out where to stay. So like, things will work out and you can have some sort of foundation instead of things being the wilderness, which is why I said the wilderness. So, uh, I met, I met this dude named London and, you know, we were just kicking it after school. And he was like, Hey man, like, I don't see you at school like that. Like, you know, you come sometimes you don't come sometimes like what's up. And I just told him my situation. I laid it on, I laid it on the floor. I said, man, you know, like, this is my situation at home. You know, it's not really, not really good right now. It's been taking me like away from school and stuff like that. I really like need to figure out a situation. I'm 16 making these type of decisions, you know? Like, yes. 16. man. Yeah. Like, where am I going to stay? What am I going to eat? Like, and hmm. so luckily his mom, you know, his mom that day, he went to his mom. and he said, man, I'm going to see if you can stay with us. So my boy said, I'm going to see if you can stay with us next day. Started living with London, bro. He lived right across the street from my school.
0: What? That's crazy. Yes. Next day,
1: next next day, I started living with him, bro. And after that, like like uh, once again, there was some sort of foundation there. So, you know, I started doing really well. Started doing good in school. You know, my mom was like, "Okay, I understand." She was still coming to my games and everything, but like 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 Coach Davis said, you know, you got to make some decisions for yourself. Being a man in this world, you feel me, and so I, I did, did that, that kid. Uh, not to benefit. cut you off,
0: did did that kid ever? Because for me, I was without my father from eight eight to eighteen, and because he he got his visa denied, he's in Nigeria trying to come back over. And I didn't get it. And Nigerian parents, they're, they're gatekeeping. They they hold secret because I probably would have blabbed to my friends. Probably true. I probably would have been Tyler, honestly. I would probably have told them my situation. Which, obviously, it has me in myself because it's like, should I express, should I not? But for you, when I'm thinking of your story, did you hold any, you know, ill will towards your mom? Because you know, like, she had no control of her situation, obviously. But then it's like, that kid... How did he go from, okay, I always have to live with somebody else. I always have to, okay, do this on my own. I'm 16. I want to be a kid. I look at a new city now. I was in this city. They had their family. They had their friends. They had people pushing them up like a kid should. I'm in another opportunity, and they have that. I still don't have that. Did you ever feel that towards your mom? Uh,
1: Honestly, like, as a kid, of course. Of course, as a kid, you know, you just, you think the world revolves around you.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You know, like how, how could this be happening to me? Why, why me type of type of mentality? And, you know, like, like I said, I regret nothing that the past has taught me, you know, like I regret none of these experiences because I met some really, really close people still to this day, like in that process, you know, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. When my boy London took me in, like, uh, that was one of the, the, mile or like key pieces to directing me like the way I was going to go, you know, because now I was around, I was hooping every day now. You feel me? I had friends that I can be around and it influenced me. I started to like know how to move, know where to go. And I was in a new city. So it was like, in a way, I mean, I know this is cliche to say, but like everything happens for a reason.
0: <laughs> no, it... <laughs> I always say it that I hate that phrase, I'm not going to lie, because it's like if you do a dumbass decision and you have the consequence, you're still going to learn the your life. If you're a child of God, you're going to get that lesson in a different way. You don't have to learn through trouble and trial, but I, I totally get what you're saying because it's. It, that does teach you and, and and help you become this man, this leader, this father, this coach that you are today because you literally have been through everything. And then you can speak to a kid who has those similar situations. And you can speak to a kid like me coming up to another country in the wilderness that I was and you can know how that feels and help them out in those moments. So I t- definitely like can see that in your story. There's something that you always say and I still remember it then. They sleep, they sleep, they sleep. He had it everywhere. They sleep, they sleep. Little TyPod, the one that listened to all the music going. If I'm going to school, if I'm listening and I'm behind the eyes of Tyler in that age, Little TyPod, I love music and I'm listening to music that kind of pushed me forward. They sleep on me, they sleep on me, they sleep on me. When I hear that, I think, you know, the edge that drives to help you on the court, those type of things. But I feel like they sleep for you means so much more than just the game of basketball.
1: man. It, it when I, when I think of a sleep and maybe when I was younger, it was more of a basketball. Oh, you know, they sleep on me. I'm a, I'm a make it type, even though I, I might tell myself that in, in the time, but I had no <laughs> clue. That I would be able, I didn't have no offers out of college. I, I mean, out of high school, I didn't have no offers, none. Uh, I mean, I went junior college, but I'm talking about division one offers, even D two offers. Like I, I wasn't getting none of those. So, I didn't think that playing professional basketball, let alone like playing at the Euro Cup level, playing like at a high level like that, was even attainable. Uh, but at the time it was like, you know, they sleep on me, I'm gonna make it. But now as a grown man, when I think of they sleep and I think of the whole movement that, you know, me and my brothers, me and my friends started back in the day, uh, they sleep as more of a, you know, People going to sleep on you no matter what. It's always going to be, oh, you haven't done this, but you haven't done this. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, you haven't done this. And you just got to keep proving people wrong your whole life. So now they sleep as more of a mentality in, in everything you do. You know, like, don't be surprised if somebody doubts you. Don't be surprised uh, if somebody doesn't have high expectations for you. You just got to know that they sleep on you and worry about yourself.
0: It sounds, though, you know, when you say they sleep in that time, you already had the internal drive to push you forward. So you didn't care if anybody slept on you. You've been through a whole, you've lived a man's life to that point. So they sleep, they sleep, helps you, you know, build community, build in the game, helps you that way. But like, they don't know there's a real story here that's driving me, the, the, that helps me search myself every day. Like, okay, should I grind? Should I go the extra mile? Should I push today? That leads you to a JUCO, that leads you to a South Dakota That kid then defined the odds and and growing and moving on to these different levels. You said something just now, and I totally agree. At those moments, you always like, people always say, I always knew I was going to be this. I always knew I was going to be to this point. Shut up! up i always say that no there's no way there's no way you you thought the kid that was in this city in this city living going through the wilderness could become who you are changing from this going to this country living in all these different places playing professional at that level you never knew that so i i have a i'm like shut up but it's like what Helps you in college kind of keep going forward and going forward. I I feel like I'm asking redundant questions. I am like this because I'm just really thinking about this right now. It's like believing in something that you can't see, but knowing like what's the alternative? I got to keep going. I got to keep like because I remember that kid.
1: And that's the And that's the main thing is uh, like you just got to keep moving forward. Like what can you do? You can't stop because if you stop, it's over. You gave up. And that was one of my things I have a tattooed on my chest. It says never give. And that doesn't mean like never give anybody anything, because I love being selfless. You feel me and a servant to people. Uh it means never give up. Simple as that. Like no matter how hard anything gets, no matter, you know, how bad your back is against against the wall, keep moving forward, never give up. And you know, like going going through college, like obviously when you go to college and you can attest to this, like it has its pros and its cons also. Like you think, oh, I'm going D1 and uh, or I'm going to junior college. I'm about to, I'm going to be on full ride. Like I'm going to be this big basketball star, but you don't understand like, nah, 6 a.m. workouts, uh, coaches <laughs> on your neck. Uh, no, you got to be dedicated to this. Like my godfather says, you got to eat, sleep, and drink this if you want to make it. So you really don't realize that. But and that's why I think it was a blessing to go through those things early in my life. Obviously, I don't want my kids to go through what I went through. Uh, and I don't wish nobody to go through what I went through, but, uh, those, those experiences, uh, along with the ones I had in Vegas, uh, just gave me that will. Like you can't stop. Like you can't, now you can't stop. Like there's already too much that done not happen to make it to where like, you can't stop now. You just got to keep moving forward.
0: You got to keep moving forward. I guess I, again, I have so many questions that just pop into my head because I always picture if I'm you, if I'm you and I'm in college and I'm going after this game, you said something like that prepared you. You you already went through the wilderness. So you know how it goes. College workouts, you know that it's a different level. But in terms of your personal life, it feels like for me, I've never, I'm so used to not having people at the game. My mom works. She has four kids. She's a nurse, that type of thing. So I'm so used to grinding and going, I know how to do that. But the first time somebody believed in me off the court sounds weird, like a girlfriend, that type of thing. It's like weird. It's just like I like I'm so grind, grind, grind this mode. I can't shut that off. When it comes to you and like romantic relationships, how were you in that time? Like, how have you grown from that, Tyler, then to who you are now as a man? Uh,
1: like you mean like as far as like uh, uh support wise or like
0: yeah, just. Wise? girlfriend rise like because i feel like that's different and those are literally two different stages two different tylers two different versions you mentioned the sensitive kid but then the sensitive kid has to uh push the sensitivity aside to push grind and become what he wants to do become all that who he is okay let's turn it back on in a different way how are you initially in those relationships because a lot of athletes can't turn that off and they have that mentality in their relationships and they have that mentality off the court and it's, it doesn't work anywhere else, but on the court. What was that transition like for you?
1: Right. So as far as like females, like my mom was in, uh, some like abusive relationships Mm. and, uh, you know, she's been divorced. Like I've seen her go through a lot, you know, and I've seen people treat her bad. I've seen men take advantage of her. I've seen them physically abuse her. So like whenever it came to females, as I was growing up, I always, like, had a big heart for, like, if I really cared for a girl. Even when I was in eighth grade, I thought my girlfriend was everything, you know? So, growing up, then learning, like, okay, uh, you know, you have your life and your experiences, and you can't share that with everybody, and you can't even be yourself almost around everybody. So, as I got older, you know, you just figured out, like, okay, uh, who can... Vibe with me like that, who can be on that level with me like that? who understands where I came from and I never found in my definitely my whole college uh mm-hmm. career and then moving on to professional, I met my wife when I was going to Belgium and uh we we met in Vegas at like four a m <laughs> uh met her hey, what's your name, Ashley? hey, let me get your number before I never see you because this is Las
0: vegas
1: <laughs> and, yeah and, and after that it was over like we was we was locked in after that but it took a while to get to that because i was like you know focus as men i feel like a lot of men do this is you're so focused on your craft you want to master your craft so bad that you know you don't even see how another person can incorporate into that unless they're trying to do everything your way and that's not how a relationship works (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i have
1: to compromise so I feel like I was in that stage until I met her like you know I'm just locked in on my craft I'm locked in on you know what I got to do to make it you know
0: what did she have though Tyler because it's like you meet her 4 a.m in Las Vegas and you go on you move on you're in this career a seven-year pro in the different countries that you played in for her to follow you and be there for you and support you and help you go? Because as an athlete, you're out of this place, out of where you are, out of the U.S. for 10 months out of the year, trying to learn the language, trying to be in the culture, learning in this new team. This coach doesn't even speak English. The wilderness, something that you're accustomed to, but it's a different kind. What did she have that you needed to hold on to, cling on to, all these years because it's tough because again, if I was that kid overseas and it's like locked in, I'm here for a mission. When Ashley comes into your life, how did she add to your mission?
1: Uh, See, like at that time, my mission was uh, different, you know, like I kind of upon meeting her and like us talking and stuff like that. Like I always had a vision, like, okay, one day I want a family. Like my dad's been married for 25 years. uh, So it's like, I've seen a successful marriage. Uh, you know, I've seen my mom go go through some bad marriages. I want children and I want a kid with a woman who I'm married to. I want to be with for the rest of my life. So my kid can grow up in the same house. So that was my vision. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't see it coming into fruition. I met her and really it was the, uh, So she had been cheated on. I had been cheated on around like I had been cheated on before. And then when I met her, she had been cheated on. So that like relatability and like understanding that, okay, I can trust you and you can trust me and we can be thousands of miles away from each other. But we're still loyal to each other and we still on a mission now together. And we only want me and you and it's me and you to the end of this. Then when when we started getting like that, and when I understood that I that that was the that was the thing. You asked what the thing was. It was that. It was the loyalty factor that that I could just feel like in her spirit that she's like, "Yo, I got you till to the end of the earth." And that was when we first met. I felt that, and you feel me. She's been nothing but an angel since.
0: <laughs> nothing but an angel. I, I never I never have asked to guess that on on this because I don't know. But now. I, I'm learning in in this to ask the questions I'm really curious about And because me and there's certain people listening and I don't even care who's listening. But for me in my life, it's so hard to distinguish who's there for you and cares and sees you, sees that kid that was in the wilderness from young, you know, from this place to this place and, and can see him and to love him despite of what he even sees, sees a different version of you that you even see in yourself to be there for you. So it's like, I don't, it's hard to find that. And for you to right. just say that it's out there, it, it does something for me and it does something for anybody listening to know that, okay, it's okay. You can still grow and grind after what you want, but one day it's okay to open your eyes, open your damn walk, whatever you're doing to find somebody else to open up to conversation, to relations with somebody else. Because a lot of times you get so, nope, 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 focus. She just gonna knock on my door and she's gonna say, hey, I'm here. No, it's it's- right being vulnerable, being open to somebody else, sharing, having the courage to open up to somebody else to to grow that relationship?
1: No doubt, bro. No doubt. No doubt. It's like you, you know, you got to, and, and I will say it, it was like a conscious decision within myself. Like I was ready. And that's what I tell people who be like, oh man, how you get married? Like, you know how it is. Super, like people like, how'd you get married? How'd you, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? Like, they just don't see like, how you could possibly do that. And I'm like, yo, you got to make a conscious decision within yourself. Like, I'm ready. You got to be ready because it's like marriage is not like. uh, It's unpredictable. A, it's like
0: that. <laughs> she pulled up. <laughs>
1: okay, like, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be any of these things that maybe movies tell us or we think in some fairytale land. Like, it's really, you know, a grind and an everyday marathon, not a sprint. So. You know, that you got to you got to be ready within yourself.
0: You got to be ready within yourself. Going back to basketball, your first year overseas, Latvia, then Lithuania, then Belgium, then Russia, then Italy, then Russia, then Germany, then France, then Germany, then Germany, then then Italy, then Italy. Literally seven year pro. You played with 12 different teams. And I think you only stayed on one team the whole time throughout the whole time. Dealing with that wilderness is something that you're accustomed to, who you can be and who you can manage to be and become and all those different teams. I guess for me, when I hear that and I listen to that, I'm like, bro, I'm not doing that. (laughs) And the game is not enough for me to do that. For you, what was the, the thing that kept you going despite all the challenges with being so many teams, so many countries in the span of your career? I, I want to ask f- basketball questions, but honestly not because this is the trying things. There's so many athletes. You, you're in a different country and it's so tough. You can't even articulate how tough it is until you're getting over there. Why did you keep going? Why not come back to stability? Something that you've wanted. You have the girl. You have everything now. Why didn't you just come back a long time ago?
1: Uh, <laughs> hey. It's funny, like you said, like I want to ask about basketball, but I want to ask about life. But it's all so tied, yeah,
0: yeah, like
1: all so such an intimate relationship between basketball and life. So uh, definitely, okay. So I'll just I'm I'm gonna gradually build you up into my rookie, and and this is what really gave me that grind of like okay. By any means necessary, I'm getting to it. Shout out my agent also, uh, Teddy Archer, you know, he had my back through everything. So, I mean, you know, (laughs) it's definitely not just me, just me that did all that, you feel me? Like, as far as when I became a pro, he helped me tremendously. Uh, But, so my friend London, who I told you I moved in with my junior year of high school, uh, he went to school. His It was his senior year. It was my junior year. Uh, then he graduated and then it was my senior year and I was still living with him. Uh, then, unfortunately, uh, he ended up committing suicide mm. in our bathroom. And so when he did that, that like it was like another like. Uh, I don't know, scar maybe on my back, like, you know, just something else that was like, wow. Like, and when you're young, you don't realize everything. When you get older, you start to slow down and process everything. Like, wow, you really went through that as a 16 year old, 17 year old, 18 year old. You feel me? And so after he, after he passed away, you know, like obviously there was some whirlwind there, uh, but I played well my senior year, uh, and then ended up going to junior college. And so I came off the bench junior college. I had never played point guard before. Uh, and I was backup point guard freshman year in junior college. And I got in. I, I did well. I've always been able to handle the ball. Always been a really good rebounder. Uh, and so that's a, that was another thing. I was coming off the bench my freshman year. Uh, had people at my junior college that transferred from uni- University of Kentucky, University of Miami, West Virginia, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, Idaho, like I had, it was all D1 transfers and I was, the only, I was, wasn't recruited at all. So when I got there, it was really just like, Hey, work ethic. And that's always been my strength is my work ethic. And so that's what I leaned on. And I got in the gym and, you know, did my thing there, control what I can control, uh, and was able to get an offer from South Dakota. My first year South Dakota, uh, I tore my ACL, uh, after, playing really well in the summer I played so with me and my boy Javal Miles he went to he went to Kansas State transferred to uh, South Dakota and we was ready to go to work we were ready to go to work and then my first year uh right when we started getting into the season like right before first game I tore my ACL so I was out that whole year so I redshirted uh after that year coach gets fired the coach who brought me in the assistant coach he went to another school. So now I was with like a lot of uh, <laughs> unfamiliar, even though like the guy who got the job was the assistant coach uh, the year that I got there. Like me and him had an okay relationship, but he wasn't the one who brought me there and he wasn't the head coach at the time. So then right. he got the head coaching job. I'm coming back with a Yale injury. Uh, at the time, you know, I thought he was trying to do me wrong and, you know, what, whatever kids think a yeah, uh, coach exactly. trying to do to him. But, at, now that I'm older, I realize, you know, it's tough. Uh, this kid's coming back from an ACL injury. Like he's where he's playing basketball with a brace on some games. He's on some games. He's hurting. He's inconsistent. Like you can't really depend on him. So totally understand why my first year coming back from injury went the way it did. Uh, then we got a new coach in the next year, Craig Smith, which is my senior year. And, you know, that year. He really just kind of he didn't give me the keys like, hey, Norns, here you go. It's your team. But he kind of put so much responsibility and I put so much responsibility on myself because I was like, it's my senior year. Like, I got to go out with a bang. And he kind of, you know, led right into that. Like, all right, if you're going to take that accountability, I'm going to be on you every day. And you know, you can't let us slack at all. We might be having a bad practice, but you better be getting us right. And you better be making sure everybody's getting back on the same page and, you know, working well together. So uh, I had him my senior year and I played very well. Uh, I led the league in rebounding, the shortest person to ever do it. Uh, First person at my college to get first team, all league. And then, so after all I just told you leading up to my senior year of college, that flies right into why it was like, you know, no matter what I was going through overseas, I was, you know, right next to the right to the next thing. And I was going to adjust quickly and get right to it, you know.
0: <sighs> bro, you know, I, I've sat on here with a lot of people that face adversity um, and it's not to compare struggle, struggle, bus, struggle, fight. But bro, I, honestly, I'm sitting here racking my brain. I don't think I've ever heard a story like this to date. You face so much adversity, injuries, your family stuff, a friend that who you confided in, who you live with, unfortunately lost his life. You're going through all those things and then you're still able to become who you are and today. I, it, it, honestly, I swear, I'm not just saying this. I don't just talk like that blows my mind. And it's like if I was the kid after that happened to my friend and I come back to that house and I close my eyes at night, knowing everything I've been through, he believed in me, his family did, and then that happens. What does that feel like? Because we see the things and who you've become and all the things that you're still able to do despite everything going against you, but what does that feel like having to still always go against something? Yeah, you're used to it, but did you like it? Do I like going through this every single day?
1: Man, you know, (laughs) like, I know, I know I keep saying this, but it's really true. And like, when I'm talking to Ashley or I'm talking to anybody, even younger, younger kids, guys I've coached this year, uh, like when you're young, you don't realize what life really is until you get older, no matter how much you're going through, you know, you're going through a lot, but at the same time, you like, yo, I'm thugging it out. Like I'm getting through this, no matter what you think you're invincible when you're younger, low key. So, I would say like that was really kind of the feeling that I had as as a young young dude before I went to college for sure uh like when i went to when my my homeboy passed away like i didn't and like I told you, I've always been like a real sensitive, caring mm-hmm. kid when I was younger uh when my homeboy passed away, bro like the initial when they first told me and i and I walked in his house and we our whole I I call him family. Like he's like my brother. So that's like my family. So when I got in there, like we all consoled each other and I cried. And after that, I did not cry again until his funeral day. And uh, it was, so this is a mutual friend of me and Pierre and Mm -hmm. he, so I was like, obviously they were letting people in and like being like part of the funeral because like, he was like my brother. So, I'm holding the door for people and I was about to hold the door for Pierre. He was the last person walking in and like, I just dropped the door and I broke down and he grabbed me and he was hugging me. He was like, bro, like, it's all right. You feel me? And we both start crying. And so after that, like, like I say, like little, little things like that, experiences like that, not little things like that, experiences like that are what pushed me in my mind. This is just how I think like pushed me to, you know, Always try to, you know, grind no matter what. Never give, like never give up. No matter how how hard it gets, never give up. Find a way, adjust. It's always been a strength of mine and it's a blessing. Maybe it's because of what I went through as a kid, but I've always been to adjust really well to my surroundings and to people around me, Uh, you know, teams, situations, families I was living with. I was always able to adjust and, you know, you know, uh, act accordingly. And that's why my mom and my dad always said I was God's child, bro, because they didn't really put me on that path to be like that. Like I could have been something totally off to the left. You feel me? But
0: of God, here we are, bro. Bro, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's tough to relive those moments. That, but that actually and and helped me because a lot of those times, you know, you said you cried at first, you suppress after that. Okay, we got this. After you know, I gotta suppress those feelings to push for for my self and who I want to be. And I can't be anything else to accomplish the things that I want to. And a lot of people, high achievers, they want to go and strive and strive. They got to suppress the feelings that I have, push them down to go and just survive today. I definitely resonate and I see that in your story, but doing that, it gets you tired. You become tired. You become overwhelmed because it's like, suppress, suppress, suppress. It's only like when you're suppressing, there's a, they always say this, you have a choice, an opportunity, whether you're going to suppress this voice and surrender to that voice. And it's like the struggle in between suppress and surrender. And you were struggling in between. And a lot of people go the the opposite route of surrendering because of the pressure on them. Kind of that struggle pushing you forward in your career, knowing that there's more to this life than just a game. Basketball, it equates to life, but it's not life due to what you've right. been through kind of pushing forward and moving do you ever wonder what Tyler would have become if he had this grand sweet life before like if I I never faced adversity if I never went through all these things what would you have become because again I do think of this sometimes because I'm a believer I child of God, it's like, God, why did you pick me to go through these things when I was a kid? Why did you pick me to be without my father? Why did you pick me to be in Germany to where I'm like, suicidal because uh, i've been suppressing my emotions all this time and before then i only picked up the game because i saw myself significant because i picked up the game before then i was this child that was sexually abused by older women in my life so i felt insignificant so the game was the thing that i had and now the thing that i have i can't play and then i i lost family members because they came to watch me play the thing that i had And, and and i just was pushing and pushing and pushing because of this game and when i couldn't play it wasn't there anymore? If I ask, and I always think of this: What if I didn't have that experience? Would I come to this conclusion? If you didn't have the bouncing from this place to this place to this place, I probably asked this. But I'm asking it again. I don't care. Do you ever think about that? And like, I know it's who you've become, and everything works together. But I don't. It's just so amazing what you just said in the story that I'm like, to to be at this place because it's never you know what you go through. It's always how you look at what you go through and how you're able to move forward. There's a lot of people that go through similar situations that aren't here, Tyler. They're not this person, this pro converted to, he's now a father, converted, obviously a husband, converted, obviously a coach now. There's a lot of people that will never be that. Like That trait is, I wish we could clone that trait and put it into everybody, but it's just like, ah, I don't. I don't want to like beat down this point, but I do think it's so admirable who you've become after everything. Like you never know what somebody goes through until you have a conversation. And for you to share all that is huge. I do want to go to this space though of seven year career turn coach. Can you walk me through those conversations in your head? The first time where coach even came in your head because you're still hooping. You don't even have the energy to think about being a coach. Walk me to those times
1: uh so basically uh my senior year when Craig Smith got there we had a great year you know we built a great relationship i still talk to those assistants who i had there who are now assistants or head coaches other places i still talk to him and you know they kind of told me like yo Like you have a gift as far as like leading people and communicating with people, getting across to people, being able to explain something so that somebody else can apply it, being able to listen to somebody and apply what they're telling you. You got a gift. And so that they told me, oh, you know, you should be a coach. You should be a coach whenever you're done playing, you know, uh, I think that would be something smart for you to get into. And so. I said, I'll never be a coach. I'll never be a coach. Like (laughs) I'm going to play basketball for years and and it's over after that. I'm not working. another day in my life. Uh, but you know, life happens. Uh, when, so when I went to Bamberg, which is where we played together, I think that was year five. That was year six for me. Uh, and having that knee surgery that year, uh, that kind of, and then, having to come back mid season uh that kind of you know basically I, I don't know if the word I, like you said, like if you had went from team to team and team to team to team and team, you'd be mentally and physically drained, Yes. so you know all the stuff that we were going through in Bamberg, like <laughs> yeah uh, with with our with our coach and you know with management, whatever, and so. That situation, on top of the mental and physical drain of having to have another knee surgery, uh, having to be asked to play through injury, uh, having to, you know, having to play through injury, then when you don't play good, be chastised and stuff like that, <laughs> you know. So, dealing with that, I, I would say, on top of the COVID year, you know, COVID happening, like that all took a toll, uh, mentally being away from my family, you know, uh, realizing that there's Like, uh, and you know, COVID humbled a lot of people, like a lot of people passed away. So it gets you thinking like, yo, there's, I'm sacrificing all this time away from my family. You know, there's, my family is really important to me. So what's more important now, you know, I'm being treated like this, like a piece of property and my family over here is just waiting for me to come home, missing me, you know, I'm away from my daughter and stuff like that. So I'd say that. And then going into the next year, uh, you know, I was just like having to come back mid-season i really didn't get the proper i would say like rehabilitation time uh, after that knee surgery and after being in a boot for my Achilles you remember that
0: <laughs> yeah 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 i remember the practices so, have- that i remember you were in that little we had the practice court you were in the weight room and you'd always do your workouts and going through that and seeing us and seeing the different situations and still having the coach. Okay. Oh, he can't play. Let's try to almost force him out of here and and right. bring other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, you know, during that time, you know, I had my my coach at the time say some crazy things to me. So it was just like that all weighed in on like, okay, you know, what, What could I get into outside of basketball? So I started looking at some different like investment opportunities, blah blah blah. And so my year in Italy, uh, I was talking to Teddy, and he was like, "I was just like, man, like you know, my my body's feeling a little banged up, It really it was probably more mentally than physically because I I feel great now, but I'm like mentally, you know, I was just draining. I was like, man, I think I think I'm ready to go into something else, and he's like. What do you think about coaching and I was like coaching like you know I always said I would never be a coach and he's like, yeah, but you got so many good qualities to go into a coach you know I'm connected you're connected like you you know a whole bunch of kids if you want to get in the college realm you know a whole bunch of a u coaches high school coaches all over the west coast south east like nope you know people everywhere and then you know some coaches at the pro level I know people at the pro level so like, if you really want to do this, like, let's do it. So this was early in Italy. And I was like, yo, I just want to focus on hoop. After the season, we'll talk about it. So whole year focused on hoop. Had a good year. Uh, my, I went to, I was in Pesaro. I was doing, playing well. And then I went to Reggio in January. Played FIBA Cup. We went to the FIBA Cup championships. Uh, and then we went to the playoffs in Italy. Played against Milan first round. Uh, and... So, yeah, after we went to the championship, like that was almost like another uh, clarification or declaration of like, okay, Tyler, like you can take a deep breath. You made it to a championship like you in here in a sold out arena in Istanbul, Turkey. Like you from what you came from, you never thought you would ever be somewhere like this. And you've had a long career. You've been able to, you know, provide for your family. I'm the first person in my house in my family to ever own a house. So like you own a house, like you own a car, like, you you know, these things that I didn't see that were attainable when I was a kid, I thought there was no way, like, how could that be me to like, okay, Tyler, like you did it. And then, so this summer when the uh, Santa Cruz warriors position came open and they interviewed me and we had some really good conversations uh, and they offered it to me, it was me and my wife going back and forth. And she was like, really, you just got to pray about it. Like, you got to pray about it. You know, I can't tell you, What to do, because you've been playing basketball since you were four years old. Like, you know, you got to decide if you're ready to be done. And so I prayed about it. I felt like, you know, I was being led towards this opportunity. uh, And I'm so happy now that Mm I finished my first season that I did it because it was like way more rewarding than I thought it was going to be. It was a great learning experience. It was a great teaching experience. Uh, like I learned some things about myself that I didn't know. I've seen things in some of my players that I noticed that I used to do, or I could see myself in them when I was younger. So I knew how to, you know, explain to them or relate to them in that way. And so bro, it was a blessing, man. It was a blessing. And now I'm Coach Larson.
0: What did you learn about yourself during this new stage? Because to this point, you already know you face a lot in your journey. And from listening, I've learned about your journey. And I know, okay, he's going to overcome anything he faces. Any trial, any hurdle.
1: And we were teammates. It's crazy how you like be in the same room, same group with somebody and not really know. Bro,
0: Tyler, that's the thing that I'm thinking about the whole time. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Because it's like, I was so... Then again, it's like in life, it's a good lesson for life. It's like, you see your situation totally, you know, I'm going through this, I'm grinding, I'm struggling. Do you got a brother right there going through similar things, struggling and, and going through those same battles. So it's like this conversation and these conversations is essential. And in that time, it's like something needed to like push you forward and move. That's literally what I've been thinking about. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So it's like, you learn from that time, like, okay, I shouldn't be treated like this. I'm going to become something more, like start looking outside the game. And then you reach this stage. You're at the pinnacle. You won a championship. For me, I'm like, bro, this is just the start. I'm hungry for more. Now my, my thought, the adversity is done. I've, I've grinded all this time. Now it's like time to turn, build off of that for you to see, okay, now nah, like I'm in a stage to give back you know my passion has brought me this far now it's time to turn that passion into contribution and to pour into other people's lives to become a coach and to grow in that area what have you learned about yourself
1: i would say that's one of the biggest things right there is just like uh pouring into other people and also being able to so when you're a player like and you got teammates and when we were teammates you were younger than me like but it's still we never had this conversation before.
0: Exactly. So exactly.
1: When you're when you're a player like, you know, you have that relationship with your teammate, but it never sometimes it goes past surface level. But rarely do you get a deep dive in somebody's life and you're able to really give them advice and talk to them about life, about what really matters in this in the hoop world and also in life, being a man. And so that was one of the biggest things that I feel like I was able to learn about myself and also give back like that, you know, <laughs> what I've been through, I can hand it down. Like I can really hand it down to these younger guys and let them see like, yo, I might think I got it bad or I might think because the coach isn't giving me the playing time I want or whatever the case may be. Uh, like, nah, like, everything is okay. Just control what you can control and all the rest of it will take care of itself.
0: Okay. How do you, I have this question not to cut you off. How do you go and you're grinding, you become all that you are. You, you made yourself like a self-made player. That is what we'd say in, you know, your career, your life. How do you teach a kid that? Because in this age, a lot of people say, oh, they're soft, but it's a different age. It's a different era. It's You know, your environment plays a part. Everything plays a part into who you become. So how are you able to teach? I'm just like, well, you better just have it. I don't know. Figure it out. Like, you got to do this. How are you able to learn that communication and like be gentle with this kid, be sensitive, but still like, no, you need to. Like, how do you voice that and get that out of a kid? What's your journey with, with with that?
1: So I don't know if you know this, but I majored in communications in college. Did I ever tell you that? Nah. Okay, so since I majored in communications, like I feel like that that's helped me a lot. Like I didn't used to be able to communicate like that or listen like that or I didn't know what effective communication was. I just knew. Yeah,
0: (laughs) you'd be like, boy, boy, do this. Yeah,
1: you feel me? There's a difference. There's a difference between talking to somebody and then talking to somebody a way that they will get it. So really, I feel like that helped me uh, throughout my career and throughout the relationships I've made as a player. And then now being a coach able to like relay information and explain information and break down basketball and life to to a point where it's, it can be explained to somebody who's not even in the conversation. You feel me? So I think that, uh, navigating that. And then also knowing that just how I told you something about myself, uh, these kids and professional players and everybody, they have their own story and stuff they're going through as well. So like just understanding that and realizing that, and maybe when I go to, I don't know, Dusty, who was on our team, maybe if I go to Dusty this day and he's not really talkative and as a coach, I'm like, oh, he ain't locked in a date. Well, that's the wrong way to think about it because this man could be going through something totally different at home. And as a coach, instead of me breaking him down more, I would, this being me, I would come in there and you feel me, just give him some words of encouragement. And then maybe the next day, hey, you straight? You need somebody to talk to? I'm here for you. Let's get it. I believe in you. You feel me? I have nothing but the best for you. So that's really the, really the main thing is, just that, like being genuine and have, having good intentions for people, having the best interests in heart for people.
0: Bro, I mean this when I say this, bro, that's it. And I see a potential seed in you that's going to be greater than you even see. When it comes to your career as a player, you you were able to push the faith, pushed you farther. Yeah, you probably had fear and not known, fear of the unknown, but you didn't let that fear hold you like a stumbling block. You let You use that fear, use the fear to push you and the faith to push you to where you become. Same with your coaching, because what you just said there, there's a lot of coaches that don't get that. They have the pressure from the higher ups and then just spitting it out and they're trying to read off a paper how to lead and how to, you have a unique situation where you know what it feels like to be a player and you know what it feels like to wake up and go through the real things in life and also be a player and also produce so you can communicate in that level Bro, I, I know and I truly believe this when I say this, you're going to be a gem. You're already a gem in this coaching reign and you already have that passion and that thing to push you forward. But no, nah, no, nah, seriously, because that what you just said, I talked to a lot of coaches and, you know, I've been around, I guess, and they don't get that. <laughs> they don't get that. And, and for you to get that and already have the, the X's and O's and smarts and you're growing in that, man, it, it, it just means so much when it comes to communicating. You're also a father. And this point in your life, learning and navigating this new life, a coach, you came from overseas, you're settled, a house, a wife, kids. My thought is, and for you this whole time, I'm like, are you surprised? Are you surprised that you're doing this? Are you, you know, what have you learned in this day? Are you surprising yourself in the process of becoming a father? today and and kind of what are kind of the lessons what are some of the lessons that you've learned from yourself and from your daughter in today
1: man like the main key piece that i've learned uh like and this is what i was kind of taught when i was younger is like i just want my kids to have better than i had you feel me and however i can make that happen uh i just want and also along with being the best father I could possibly be, I feel like that's every dad's dream most likely, but, uh, just like learning that, like, yo, you got to do also, there's a new, now a new responsibility with you, you know, every decision that you make now affects this, this child and this child can't, can't feed herself. You know, she can't do things for herself. So you have to make decisions and, uh, know what you're doing. They're always watching you, different things like that. So being a father has been something that has been, you know, an amazing, but also a learning experience. And I have a stepdaughter who's also 13 and I've been in her life since she was eight years old. So I've seen her grow from eight to 13 and that was a crazy process. So now Mm -hmm. I'm getting to see my own flesh and blood, like go from zero to eight. So it's definitely- Bro, it's been, it's really been, it's really been a blessing. And like I've said previously, bro, I just believe that, you know, my steps are ordered. Like my my path is ordered and I really trust that. And that helps me uh, like not have anxiety, not have worry, not have fear, like you said. And it was harder to actually tap into overseas because you're by yourself, you know, you're (laughs) going through all the things on the basketball court, then you go home, you're lonely, you're by yourself. Like, so it was hard, a little bit harder to tap into understanding that back then. But now that I've been able to, you know, coach, see things from a different perspective, you know, step back and realize that, like, you're a part of something bigger than just you. And then when you realize that, it's like, OK, OK, I understand. Like, I don't have to have worry. I don't have to have fear. Like, he, he got my steps ordered. I just got to do my part, which is keep moving forward and keep controlling what I can control.
0: Keep moving forward and control what you control. I I always not always, I did this for you. I went on your Twitter and looked at some of your retweets. And I'm gonna read one that kind of says and kind of ties to that. You said today I'm choosing joy. The things that aren't all things aren't always aligned, but you know that God Let me start again because I keep this in. I'm going to keep it in. Today I'm choosing joy. Things aren't always aligned, but you know that God I serve, the God that I serve is working on my behalf. That is enough and encourages me to keep going. And it just encourages me to hear your story and where you've been and who you've become and all these things that you face and you're still joy and you're still wanting to pour back and contribute to other people. Honestly, it's huge and I'm I'm so glad to showcase this conversation and showcase your life because I I truly believe you're a leader and a person that has a message to pour out to somebody else because it's like I think about this daily. How do we, you know, have these conversations in in those circumstances at a team level like not just surface level so, cuz playing in the G League this year it's like when you have those it takes a lot of work to get to actual conversations how do we you know show this love and contribute with each other off the court and for you to basically showcase your whole life and open yourself up and say okay this is what i do this is what i dealt with this is what i even thought i think that's true confident and confidence in who you are and confidence in your faith faith is the a confident expectation that i don't care if i didn't know i don't care if i don't know now that i will grow because of my, the Lord that I serve and what's pushing me through. So now, nah, bro, thank you so much for your story. I always say this question, obviously, mind bully podcast. When you're in those times, all this adversity you face, the adversity today, because you're learning a lot, you're becoming a different person. You know, having to show up for your daughter, your 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 players, everything, overcoming that negative voice that says you can't, you won't, you won't ever become this new person, this next version, beating the hell out of your mind bully. What are the practical steps that you work and that you do to overcome your negative voice
1: uh well first off for anybody listening if you do have a negative voice it's totally normal all of us have it I believe that even the the greatest I think you know you always have this negative voice in your head trying to tell you that you're not good enough or you can't do it or what if you get in the situation and mess it up or whatever the case may be And when I get into those times myself, uh, first thing I do, (laughs) first thing I do is pray. First thing I do, like, because I, that, that helps me, helps my heart, helps my mind, helps everything settle down. I take some deep breaths and I just start reeling off things in my mind that I'm thankful for. I start reeling off things in my mind where I can remember that I got through, like things in the past, which I've now shared with you, things in the past that I can recall like, wow, I thought I would never get through that. I thought that was the end of me. I thought that that was, I was done and I got through it. And now that it's in the past. So my, if I had to give one practice of practical thing, that's what you asked. If I had to give one thing, I would say, understand that time heals all wounds and with, with time things pass. So don't get too caught up in uh something good happening or something bad happening you know just stay even killed know that life is mountains and valleys and you know that negative voice in your head uh you can combat it because it's not it's not it's just lies it's all lies being fed to you by your mind it's not real
0: just lies it's not real i think i've agreed to a lot of the things you said to this point, I'll have to big time disagree. Time doesn't heal all wounds, in my opinion. God does. And God has healed and made you who you are. The faith, the strength of who you've become. And, and then when people think they're like, oh, that doesn't make sense how he can do this. That doesn't make sense how he's... Able-. Yeah, when it doesn't make sense, it makes faith. Faith and sense are totally different. So it doesn't matter how I feel right now when I pray. I don't feel like anything's changed, but it's the faith that got you through. It's the faith that pushed you through and pushed you to where you are now so bro thank you so much for being on the mind believe podcast bro love
1: bro love i appreciate you now. i appreciate you bro
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode of the mind believe podcast if you like this conversation do me one favor rate and review this podcast if you're on spotify you can now see a poll where we can interact with each other so do that for me please till the next one peace and whoa. hey Jennings, you going off